You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I guess I better make sure I have uh, proper grammar, or otherwise I'll end up on your TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra. There's no Brazilian tie for this episode of Two and Out, but it's a special one. The new president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. Well, I say new. It has been less than a year. Victor Kui is coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to you hearing this chat. He's been so great to talk to. And as you know, if you're a CFL fan, you probably know how engaging he has been with fans on social media. It seems like an around the clock gig, <laughs> keeping up with just that part of it. And I think uh, you're going to get some cool insight from him during this chat coming up on the show. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB Financial. At ATB, we make banking work for you by offering both expert and practical advice in saving, budgeting, and paying off debt. And though your financial situation and the economy may change over time, you can be confident that your money is safe and secure with ATB. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit ATB.com. And joining the show now is President and CEO of the Edmonton Elks, Victor Quee. Victor, thanks so much for coming on the show. I guess I better make sure I have... uh, Proper grammar, or otherwise I'll end up on your TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all hey, where good. Where does that sense of humor come from? Uh, I don't know. Like, you know what? I can't control what people decide to write to me and how they decide to be keyboard warriors. Some people use social for positivity. Some people use it for griping. Some people use it for negativity. I can't control any of that, but I can try and control how I react to it. And, you know, I've been active on social in the sports industry for well over a decade, right? Like my, my social media following combined with Facebook and all of my handles is probably a little over 1.5 million. And so I've sort of learned that I, I like to take things lightly and I'm not, I don't take things too seriously I mean, this is sports. It's a serious business, but it's also about fun. Like I'm in this industry because I love it. And I love talking to people about sports. So if I can't have a little bit of fun with it, then then I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I guess you've only been on the job in Edmonton for about six months now. How has returning home been and working for the team that you watched as a young, young man? Well, returning home has been phenomenal because I I will say it over and over. I think Edmonton is one of the best places in the world to live. And I've lived in, 
I don't know, a dozen cities or so or more you know, lived and worked around the world. Um, from a work side of things, there's, we got a lot of challenges and there's a lot of work to do. I think our fans in general are patient and understand that we can't turn this ship around in a year. Like if you look at our team, First of all, from the front office, we have a phenomenal team that have worked their butts off to survive two years of a pandemic and the most challenging period probably in the league's history and kind of emerge from that stronger and better and smarter. But from the football side of things, you know, we're obviously we're one and four. We're going into a headwind. We're just like we're not winning on the field like how we want to. And, and that's not from a lack of effort. We're not sitting idly on our hands i mean if you look at the stats and i think we have six maybe seven returning veterans of our entire roster wow you know not to mention almost our entire coaching staff is new uh i'm new our executive leadership is new um we've done 60 plus transactions in the first you know two three months of the year that's more than any team so we're not sitting around we're trying to coach jones is fiddling around with it trying to get the right right magical answer and then on top of that which is just a function of the sport we've got like 13 guys on our six game injury list and these are injuries that are like i mean they're going into surgery like they're real injuries for their career and, and and um if you read our injury list, it reads like our starting lineup, you know, it's like all the guys that we want to play. So it's, we've got those challenges, but that's, that's the business of sports. You can't control that. And I think one of the things that the CFL community enjoys about you, it seems like you, and I mean, it, it seems like you kind of wear the team's success just like a fan would. Like, of course you want to succeed, but of course the Elks are in the long game, sustained success, not just for, you know, (laughs) one year selling the farm and then, but sustained, consistent success. Like I think fans in Edmonton have been used to, um, has, has been hard to, or do you still embrace feeling just like a fan would hanging on every win and loss? Uh, don't get me wrong. Every loss hurts. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it hurts. And, you know, here's the crazy thing is our first game in BC, where we just got our butts served to us. I was not mentally prepared to lose. Wow. I just, I did not, it, it, it sounds crazy, right? But new in the job, my first game, right? We actually had won in Winnipeg, but whatever, right? And you go down to the locker room. And there's such positivity. Like they are just like, we are a completely different team. We love our coaches. We have faith in our coaches and our plan. We've worked our butts off. Then you talk to the coaches and they're like, this is a new team. Victory is guaranteed. And now that is, in fact, the mindset of winners. A champion believes and goes into every single game like victory is inevitable for them. Right? You know, look at, I don't know, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods would say this all the time. He doesn't enter a tournament just trying to make the cut. He enters a tournament expecting to win. Like, that's what a world champion does. And so I go to the locker room, and everyone's like, we're going to win. We're going to win, boss. No, you know. And I got there. I was like, hmm, 
how will I talk to the, you know, BC Lions president and CEO, Rick Lullisher, and console him on his loss is what I was, you know, is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Just no clue of preparing myself for the, for, for a loss. And when we lost, it hit me doubly as hard, but I mean, that's truthfully what I love about sports is you just never know. Like you never know. And, and isn't that why we all hang on it? Right. And you think you put together the right formula. You think you have all the right pieces and someone along comes that day and you might have all the right pieces, but, but somebody comes along that day and they're just better, you know, whatever it is, they're just better. And then, so you just got to dust yourself up, go back to work the next day and, and try and get better. It's been sort of a starting from scratch as far as on the field goes, but with the, the new name and the new brand coming in, yeah, last year, has it almost been like starting from scratch off the field too? It has been. It has been. And the reason is that um, this team and its storied history has been so lucky with such a loyal fan base. And you touched on it earlier. They just assume you know, that we were going to win, right? And, or assume we'd make it to the playoffs. And uh, it was just assumed that, just like we were always the city of champions, although Oilers made it to the playoffs first yeah, time, yeah. you know, but, um, uh, uh, and with that entitlement of victory comes complacency because our fan base supported us, but we didn't do enough to take care of our fan base. We didn't, do and it's not the fault of previous administrations it's not the fault of the organization it's just that we were making money like fans kept opening up their wallets so we assumed what we were doing was right and to a degree it was but then covid came and really changed the game and it amplified our weaknesses so our job right now is how do we not only rebuild, but what is the formula that we need to take us into the next decade so that our children behind us have got a winning team? And that really is the part that is exciting me. Of course, as a father and as a fan, do I want victories for ourselves? Absolutely. But if I can be a part of making the foundation of a winning team for my son to ride on and enjoy what I did growing up with the Elks or the Eskimos, man, like, that is a bullseye win. Was there a moment uh, when you thought, oh, boy, I, I've got a lot of work to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, was there, was there a switch when it was like, wow? Because I know I, I've got season tickets in Edmonton. They're not shy to tell you how they feel. And you've had that open line of communication with your socials that they'll tell you exactly what they're feeling and how to fix it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I look at these empty seats every day and it reminds me of how much work there is to do. Mm. I, my eyes were wide open when I took on this role. And in fact, that was why I wanted to take it on, because I saw that there were so many problems. And I thought that how lucky am I that I've had this career in global sports and this knowledge and the skill set that can contribute to the team to bring solutions. If this was a team that was doing really well, everything was successful, and I just had to keep the machine running, I probably would not have been interested. You know, I, I'm, I love a challenge, but I love the fact, not just of the challenge, but I love the fact that I think my life and opportunities have led me to this 
and yet another dream job in my career where I have the skill set to contribute, where I have the knowledge base and the experience to make decisions, to make the team better, the league better, our, our community better. And so that part is what really I feel grateful and excited about. Not to say that the every day is not a massive challenge because, you know, um, it is not, um, it is not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We, the amount of challenges that we've got to do are probably the greatest I've ever faced in my life, you know, of, of any organization. And, but I am fortunate in that with my previous experiences, you know, I'm not just a marketer that has learned and gone up the marketing ranks or a sales guy that's gone up as sales. Like I've built an entire sport property from scratch from day one. So I know every single lever. I know what it takes to write a press release. I know what it takes to do media. I know what it takes to do a marketing plan, to do sales, to do operations, health and fitness, safety, COVID, all of these kind of things that come in, in, in play. So while I'm not the expert at the table, when I sit down with our vice presidents, I have enough of a knowledge set that I'm able to contribute and make sure that, you know, we're, we're moving the ship in the right with the right weightage and the right focus. You said the word global and that word has been used a lot when it comes to the Canadian Football League over the past few seasons here, especially with the, the global initiative, the CFL 2.0. How have you been able to apply that global experience that you have to your hometown in Edmonton? Well, there's a lot of best practices from tier one sport properties around the world that in general in Canada, we just haven't um, adopted yet. You know, the technology, the experience, the success and the failures are all out there in the market with guys that have spent hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars to figure out this exact equation, because our model is very simple. It, yes, of course, you have to perform on the field. That's a given. You know, you have to perform, but there's only so much control that you can do there. Then it's uh, everything else that you have to do off the field. There's people way, way smarter than us that have spent a lot of money and time thinking about how to do that, whether it's at Premier League or um, F1 or WTA tennis or um, Wimbledon, you know, like all of these guys do it really, really well. So you've got to be able to, now it's not a hundred percent applicable to our business, but you got to take those best practices and see what works in this community and what works for us. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I love going to those games in Edmonton, but, and, and I've heard, I think maybe it was the antler up podcast that you've put some dozens and dozens of new initiatives into place in the past six months. Have you encountered any sort of resistance along the way? And how did you get past that? Resistance. Well, internally our team is amazing. I mean, they understand this is the time to innovate. They understand that we can't continue to do the exact same stuff that we used to do and expect to get different results. They know that we got to change. Yeah. Now, the innovation, I think more the resistance is people are impatient, mm. you know, 
They, they want to see it change right away. And I wish that we could do those things right away. But I know that to do it right, it's going to take me two seasons to do it. Because um, if we had unlimited amounts of resources and money, then you could just dump money into something and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But because we don't, and we're a community-owned team, we need to use our resources wisely. So what that means is we have to do a lot of beta testing, A, B, at a smaller scale to see if we can get the right minimum viable product for the market. It's like releasing a version 1.0 mm. to a smaller demo, and you test it. You, and that version 1.0 with that group tells you everything that's wrong. You fix it, and you come back with version 2.0. Now, We've got to do that iteration over and over and over across all parts of our business. And that just takes time. Um, we don't have the luxury of sitting down and working and just putting our heads down and plotting for three months, six months to have the perfect product and then release a $1 million product, you know? So that means it's a little bit more labor intensive because you do things that succeed and things that fail. And, but it, um, in the long run, I think it's, it, it's what builds a stronger foundation. I don't know if maybe you're too humble to realize this, but I see other CFL fans and they look at Gary Stern in Montreal, Amar Doman in Vancouver, and they look at you and they they realize, hey, we got some relatively new faces in the CFL in the CFL that bring some energy and bring some fresh ideas. Do you feel like you're bringing some fresh energy and creativity to the league as a whole, or do you really worry about all that stuff? Um, you know what? The other president CEOs, these guys are really, really smart men. We, we, you know, I feel that saying that doesn't give credit where credit is due. This is a very complex league, mm-hmm. three different types of ownership, you know, and to do that requires a lot of alignment to move forward. And the people that are, you know, the the other the president CEOs of other teams that have been here have shepherded this league through two years of the most difficult time in our history. And just coming out of that alive, like we have to remember it was a distinct possibility we could have lost this league you know, because of COVID. There were many sport properties around the world that went under, but we didn't. We still had a shortened season in 2021. We came out with 2022 with a full season. And the amount of work that takes to get into delivering something like that. Now, am I the rookie at the table with some shiny new toys and fresh ideas? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. But I heavily rely on the expertise of guys like Wade um, in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. Craig in Saskatchewan, Rick uh, Lullisher in BC. These guys that they know their, you know, they know their stuff. I was, was going to swear there. Like they know what's <laughs> going on. And, and um, uh, their, their experience and their business acumen is like, is world-class. So, if we can all get together, which we are, in, and share our, our best ideas and our best practices, then that helps us get better. Like I had a recent discussion with Wade. You know, I had, I had a question and I wasn't sure about something. And I call him and he calls me back right away and we talk and we share a couple of ideas. And I tell him about this one thing that we did that had just recently worked really well. And he's like, 
fantastic. I'd love to, I'd love, you know, that, let me borrow that idea. I'm like, that's exactly why we share it. It's great. Now I, uh, (laughs) there's been a lot going on in Edmonton that makes me excited. There's the college game day happening this fall with the golden bears. There was the stand with Ukraine game broadcasting a game province wide in Cree in Alberta. There's so many great initiatives going on. Is there one so far that you're most proud of? Oh, you know, um, we have a lot, a lot more stuff that's still coming, but nice. every one of them, our mandate as a community-owned team is different because I believe we have a role to play a leadership role in the, in the community to make our community better. And because of that, we have to think of our business in different ways. So, you know, would I have liked to keep all that revenue on game one on June 3rd for ourselves so that I can look better to my board and deliver financial results. Yeah, of course. But I also recognize that the Ukrainian community is so important to Edmonton. I, I mean, everybody I went to school with was, was, was Ukrainian. And, and, and this was a, an issue that was impacting the world and our community. And we needed to take a leadership stand in, in showing that we support it and standing with Ukraine and, and making that donation. So that's really important. Um, the 12 and under that we, we, you know, announced that all children 12 and under getting free for the rest of the season. Yes, obviously this makes on a long tail development, makes fans younger, right? We bring in fans, they fall in love, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. But the other side of that is I recognize we're coming off of a pandemic of two years of really difficult times. We're just a few months removed from when we've all been strapped, you know, stranded in our homes, and quarantined with just a few months. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people that we know, your friends, your neighbors, your, your relatives, children you went to school with or whatever are still unemployed or they are their house. They had to remortgage it during the, the pandemic and they're still in difficult times. So to take a leadership role like this, that makes it more affordable for families to come and enjoy a sporting event I think is important and I think it makes our community stronger. Um, so that's part of the other reason why we do it. Um, the, the broadcast in Cree, you know, I'm fortunate in that my lens in comes to sports is multilingual. You know, I used to do all my social media in, in four different languages mm. and now I, just, I only do it in English. And um, when we, my previous company, when we broadcast events, sometimes we're broadcasting in six, seven different languages. So I saw the power of delivering sport in a local language, even if the demographic is very small. Right. It doesn't matter because it connects people in a very different way. And my hope is to be doing simultaneous broadcast in like a half a dozen different languages so that we can have a broadcast in German, in Spanish, in yeah. Cree, in Hindi. And, and, you know, all these in all these languages would be fantastic. 
right? It would be. It would be. I, I got to ask about the rock, paper, scissors thing. I know it's fun. It's not as serious. Like, wouldn't it be great if the East Side champion was a six-year-old girl taking on, you know, a seven-year-old boy from the West Side? I, I'm looking for – it's something that everybody can play. It's fun. And the championship ring I've seen, like this <laughs> – this looks yeah. like it's going to be great for the rest of the season. I, I, I hope so. So we're, we're still, that's an example, you know, where we keep beta testing it. We okay. tested it on fan day. We let people go through so we can understand the timing of it and what's involved. Because I have a feeling, like, let's say you even make it only, like, McDonald's has partnered with us on this rock, paper, scissor. And um, for every entry, like, so let's say we charge $2, a tuning for an entry to enter the rock, paper, scissor, you get a free Big Mac. From McDonald's, so like, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. Now, that means if we had the entire stadium participating, a winner might walk away with $10,000 yeah. know, for rock, paper, scissors. And, <laughs> right? so, that would be awesome. It's crazy. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll get that. As a young boy watching the Edmonton teams of the late 70s and the early 80s, just a dominant franchise in football. And I think I heard somewhere you were a a budding track star once upon a time. I wouldn't say if I was budding or or a star. (laughs) You thought you were? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You used a whole lot of words I would never I was doing track, yes. Okay, yeah, because in the same way that I did track, but really I only competed in shot put. And uh, (laughs) does that count? I don't know. (laughs) If you played football, what do you think uh, would be your position? Well, no, I... I thought I was going to be the next gizmo. I, I really thought I was going to be the next great punt returner because I looked at him. And I'm like, well, I think I'm fast. I'm nowhere near as fast as him. I thought I'm, I thought I'm athletic. I'm nowhere near as athletic as him. You know? and, but that was the dreams that I, I harbored as a 14, 15 year old, 16 year old boy. And even until I was 18, I still thought, that I could be in the Olympics for track. And I just thought that, that I had the desire and I had the work ethic. And I thought that my genetics just needed to be tapped into with the right coaching and the right ability. But once I got into that environment with, with a track club at the university level, and you just see the level of natural talent yeah. of people have. It, my eyes were you know, then became wide open. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I was pretty good at my school level or at the divisional level. Now you get to the university level. Okay, this is what it is, you know. (laughs) It must be something to walk into Commonwealth Stadium every day and see Gizmo Williams on the the wall or uh, Tom Wilkinson or Warren Moon or... Brian Kelly. Yeah, it... It must be quite the feeling to call that beautiful. Like you got the best zoom backdrop. I think we've ever had on the show, the Commonwealth stadium, the beautiful bright seats, green and gold. It must be something to call that your, your workplace, your office every day, or even, is it even work? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just keep thinking that the board of governors, my board of directors, Maybe they're going to figure out that they didn't need a best 
best job in the world, you know? And I'm like, if I don't want to seem like I'm too happy with it because maybe they'll decide they should pay me as a volunteer, you know? It's like, oh, if you love it so much, you don't need the money for it. So, uh, but I got to pretend like, oh, it's really hard. I don't love it that much. But, but seriously, like, I've been so lucky, man, that I've had my dream job three, four times in my life. And I, you know, there's an intersection of luck and hard work that has brought me there. But I just think of every day I come down here and, you know, I watch the team's practice and I'm just like, what, this is my job. I, I'm, you know, I sit down and I talk for I, every day. I talk to, to coach Jones and we talk for whatever it might be half an hour, an hour, whether it's who we're, looking to, to, to grab or breaking down the game or things. That, and I'm just like, I can't believe I get to talk to this amazing man, this amazing brain who's one of the best at what he does. And I just get time with him whenever I want. And um, I know I'm so fortunate with my life with that. And I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that fans are supportive of the changes that we're doing, you know, and that they're, um, they're embracing, like, they come to like, Victor, we know you need time to shake things up. We know you need time to rebuild this. And we're here. We're here for the long haul. And I'm like, that means a lot because that encourages me to work even harder. I'll, I'll ask you one more question that you probably can't say too much. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. Is there anything else that fans of the Elks can look forward to uh, between now and the end of the season, even uh, the end of the season and beyond? Um, definitely. There, definitely. There is, there is a lot, you know, we, um, we are revamping our entire offering to season ticket holders because I'm embarrassed that we don't take better care of our loyal fans and um, we need to do better, but to do better for our season ticket holder fans means I need to really um, almost rebuild the engine because I don't want to do something that's just tokenism. I don't want to be like, Oh, season ticket holder. You're awesome. Here's a free hat. Like, you know, like that, 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 that's, we, we have to put in place a plan that shows we're going to be on this journey together as an organization, as a community owned football club, as loyal fan base. And these are how we want to thank you for your support. And this is the direction that we're going. So we're rebuilding this right now, as we speak, we're rebuilding our entire ticket offering for 2023 and how we do it. I, I think that our, our ticketing plan right now is too complex. We have too many different ticket prices. It's like, I want to see three different ticket prices, mm. four different at, at most. So it's super, super simple for everybody to understand. You know, um, I, want, I want us to be more digitally focused so that even if you are not at the stadium, how can I make your experience on your sofa amazing and connected to us in the stadium? And how do we do that? Because once we build that relationship, and as you, you know it, very few people today watch television without their mobile phone in their hand. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 
So that means when our fans are out there and we get 400,000 viewers watching an, an away game, or a, how do you talk to those 400,000 people? Now, that, is, that, that to me is where, where something great can really happen. Um, and other, again, other sport properties do it very well. Um, we, the league is at the beginning of understanding that with what we're doing with um, CFL Ventures, the, the Genius Sports mm-hmm. Initiative that the league is doing. And that's also going to take several years to, to take a foothold. Uh, so those are some of the things, the big picture things that we're working on. The future is bright in Edmonton with uh, Victor Kui at the helm, the president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. Victor, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, man, I really appreciate it. And my, my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and thinking about us. And uh, I look forward to chatting again. Thanks again to Victor Quee, the president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks, for coming onto the show. And, man, he paints a bright picture of not only, I think, the Canadian Football League, but where the future is headed in Edmonton for that franchise. I'd say the Edmonton Elks are in good hands. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profit that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping locals very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a fantastic fit. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. What do you think? I wonder if my shot put records in Lloyd Minster still stand. I must have been about 14 at the time, maybe. <laughs> I grew up a lot faster and then I just stopped growing at 14 or 15, but I was a big 14 or 15-year-old kid. Uh, I'd love to know what you thought about the chat with Victor Kui. You can hit us up on Twitter at 2 Out CFL, or you can go to the website, 2andout.ca, click mailbag. You can drop a note there as well. Week 7 of the Canadian Football League season starts on Thursday. We'll have a new episode of Two and Out to get you ready for the week. Make sure you take care of yourself. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.